everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Barrera. He is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Happy May the 4th. Uh, yeah, uh, what's up, the Sky, uh, the Jets, I guess, with their draft. I don't know. It, it's the doldrums of the offseason now. I, we need to get to the workouts because I need something real with real substance because it has been a very kind of boring ever since the draft. And even the draft for the 49ers was... I'm not saying it's bad, but it was almost boring. They didn't make any trades. They didn't make any like, oh, wow, they took that guy kind of I'm sorry. The correct response was, may the 4th be with you as we are recording this on Wednesday, May 4th. Apparently, you don't like Star Wars. I don't mind Star Wars. The originals are good. I watched the originals. The uh, episode one through three are pretty meh, and the new ones are complete and utter dog shit. What? I like the new ones. They're okay. They're fun. The new ones are terrible, especially the last one. Like, how can a franchise have so much potential and constantly mess it up? It's not hard. You don't destroy Luke in the originals. The whole point of the originals is ruined by the new ones. It contradicts the originals. Stunner. If you're new to the show... You get the hot takes on the 49ers mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from Levin, who I like to call the human wet blanket. He's already pooping on Star Wars, and we're less than five minutes into the show. (laughs) That's all right. The truth is the truth. We always say, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you do, we will take the time to read it on the show. Which brings me to today's review, Levin. This comes from Ace San Diego. Two stars. Rob G., I listened to episode 87 just to hear how dumb your take would be on it. Not sure why everyone gives you a hard time. You are a shock jock like Grant Cohn. Everyone involved with the 49ers is an idiot. It's so simple. Offer the guy whatever he wants, the guy being Debo Samuel. You have no idea what the opening offer was, if there was one. It is called a negotiation, not a capitulation. Debo should not delete Instagram and sending the message he wants out... Before I give an employee a raise, I want to know what they want to work for the company. You don't buy love. You work towards meeting needs and wants. In your world, give everyone QB money. Like, I don't even know what show that person listened to, but it wasn't the one I've done. Like, man. How many stars? Two stars. Yeah, you are ruining our rating. I am. I am. I am dragging the network down single-handedly. <laughs> Look, there are fans out there. The second somebody expresses a desire to get paid what they think they're worth, all of a sudden they become an enemy to the team. And that Debo is not the 49ers' enemy. He just wants a top-of-the-market deal. He was set to play for four million dollars this year. I think he played last year for like a little over a million something like that. He wants money that he deserves after putting his body through a an absolute physical grind. There's no reason to jerk him around the way the 49ers maybe have been doing. The the, the framework of the contract is laid out. That's my only point with all this. It, it it seems pretty simple to me now at this point, knowing the A.J. Brown details. You want to beat A.J. Brown? Okay, here's $25 million. You match in the uh, overall value, but guaranteed-wise, A.J. Brown only has $40 million guaranteed. 
So give Debo two years worth. If he's getting $25 million a year, give him $50 million guaranteed. So he beats A.J. Brown, one-ups him, and guaranteeing two years puts you right in the timeline that you want to have the flexibility back. Because in two years, you will have Trey Lance potentially wanting a new contract. You have Brandon Ayuk coming off his fourth season, going into his fifth-year option most likely. So you have two big contracts that you'll be looking to pay, and you'll want the flexibility of maybe you move on from Debo, depending on how things you go are going. Maybe you move on from Kittle at that point. You know, you just want flexibility in two years. It is the way the Niners have set it up. And so if you guarantee two years worth at $25 million, he beats A.J. Brown, and you keep the flexibility when you want it. I think that this is going to get done, honestly. I really do. I think it's going to get done soon. The the A.J. Brown deal, I was reading an article in The Athletic today, as a matter of fact. A.J. Brown didn't even know that a trade was possible until 1 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, the day of the first round. So literally they went from him finding out it was possible, deciding he'd be willing to go to Philadelphia, and working out a contract in seven hours. So there's no reason that a deal for Debo should take very long at all. Like, Matt Mayoko was on KMBR uh, on Tuesday saying, oh, they should have a deal by July. Like, what do we, why wait? We know what the framework is now. It's it's really, really obvious. Tory Dandy should have, it should be pretty quick. He just negotiated this contract for A.J. Brown. Like, is there some advantage to signing guys in July that I'm just not aware of? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I do find it interesting, you know, Tory Dandy's other uh, client said that they expect to set the record. I saw a report saying DK Metcalf is most likely going to set the record, reset the market for wide receivers. That's kind of interesting because A.J. Brown didn't do that. Debo Samuel won't do that because the Niners aren't going to do that. Um, so it, I find that interesting that there seems to be a difference there, which tells me that Debo probably comes before DK. Because you don't want DK to go out, get $28 million a year, and then, oh, here comes Debo at 25 You mm-hmm. want Debo to one-up A.J. Brown and then DK to one-up Debo so that every contract beats the next one if you're Tory Dan. Yeah, I would agree with that. Otherwise, it looks weird. It looks bad. And I don't think that that – I think that – It'll happen, and the order it'll happen in will be what you talked about to make Debo look good, make everybody save face, right, at the end of this whole situation. I do think it's interesting. I think that the same instinct or stubbornness or whatever you want to call it, that same quality that helped the 49ers refuse to trade Debo Samuel is the same reason Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the team. Like, I don't think you get one without the other, right? They have a value for a player, and they don't move that player until they get that value or unless they get that value. They didn't come close to getting it for Debo. I mean, the offers for Debo, I thought, were pathetic, really. And they clearly haven't gotten it for Jimmy Garoppolo because he's still on the team. But it's that same aspect. So while it's frustrating that Jimmy is still here, it's probably kind of worth it to keep Debo. The whole Jimmy situation just... it's well past its expiration date. You know, it's like the college student that finds the milk that's three months overdue. The what? In the the milk in the back of their fridge, the college student. Come on now. What? Wait, what the hell is milk? Oh, my God. Milk. The milk <laughs> goes bad in the refrigerator. Milk. 
Say it with me. I'm not appeasing you here. Malk. What animal <laughs> does Malk come from? All right, continue your story. That's all I'm saying, that it, it's well past due. It is clear that there's no salvaging that situation. Saying you're gonna you're okay with Jimmy being around is an absolute joke nobody believes. At this point, there's maybe one suitor left, and that's only if they're interested, and they know damn well that they're the only ones left. So why trade for him? Just wait it out. And the Niners need to quit. They need to save face at some point. You know, they need to quit this stubborn thing, and they need to say, yep, the the surgery kind of screwed us, which we did see John Lynch do a little bit here just the other day yes. where he said, yeah, we were kind of deep into negotiations and close on some things, and then all of a sudden the surgery happens and all negotiations stopped, which tells you everything. And I that makes me believe even more that my theory that the team they were deep with was a team Jimmy didn't want. And Jimmy held the surgery so that he could utilize it if he wanted to to destroy a potential deal that he didn't want. And that would be the Washington Commanders. Because if I'm Jimmy, I would rather be a backup somewhere than go in and try to start in what that, that franchise is going to be dealing with in the next year or two. I want no part of. So I think that's what he did is he held that surgery. He hoped it would heal on its own, but if he didn't, he knew he had this little feather in his cap to time the surgery to destroy a deal if he didn't want it. And that's exactly what he did. And that's essentially what John Lynch said this week. I think it's interesting because John Lynch, I feel like, is talking out of both sides of his mouth on this whole thing. Earlier, he was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said, well, we never really, we didn't really discuss terms. It never got to that point. And then on KMBR this week, he says, I felt we were close in some discussions, and then the surgery brought everything to a screeching halt. It's like, he's not, they're not being consistent on this Jimmy Garoppolo thing, whether it was how much his money was going to impact their free agency aggressiveness, or now where the discussions were when the surgery decision happened. They're just clearly not being consistent. Something, I, I think your theory makes sense. Maybe it was that he didn't want to go to Washington, which, by the way, I agree. I don't blame anybody that doesn't want to go to Washington. That franchise is a dumpster fire and has been a dumpster fire for a very long time. But clearly something is not right there with Jimmy Garoppolo and that whole Michigas. I just don't like the constant contradicting that the 49ers are doing when it comes to him. And I don't like the fact that nobody else seems to be calling it out. Well, that's not that surprising, but th- there has been a, I think a change in terms of the relationship there between the team and the quarterback. Yes. We saw Jimmy commenting saying, yeah, I would love to play with Debo on some other team. Like <laughs> that's, that, that's kind of like spitting in the eye of the 49ers. Like, yeah, sure. I would love if Debo was traded to the same team I could go to. That would be awesome. Like that to me. And then Lynch's comments shows that they are now starting the PR battle. Jimmy is going to start saying things. He's not going to bite his tongue. And Lynch is going to start trying to phrase things to save face when they have to move on for absolutely nothing. And you're going to see the two sides continue to kind of say things here and there. And I think what's going to happen is they'll say they'll say a couple more things about how Jimmy hurt them with his surgery, blah, blah, blah. And then next month when nothing's going on before training camp, he'll be released. Not for nothing. Pretty sure there was a 49ers podcaster who said immediately when the news of the Jimmy surgery came out that he was doing it to tank his trade value. Who was that guy? I can't remember. Oh, that's right. It was me. 
and y'all came for me in the mentions, in the reviews, made me out to be tinfoil on my hat guy, and guess what? I was dead on balls accurate, as usual. So just throwing that out there. Now, if I can shift gears a little bit to a different- You mean after your baby Cohen moment? Look, I was correct, okay? Grant (laughs) Cohen throws a lot of stuff against the wall that doesn't end up happening, all right? I was 100% right on this. And, you know, all the people that were in my mentions, I just want you to come back and, and say that, that I was correct and that you were wrong. Like, I'm, I'm waiting. DMs are open. Feel free. Hit me up. When it comes to the actual starting quarterback of the 49ers, Trey Lance, it's interesting to see the difference in Lance versus Garoppolo, right? The Jimmy didn't, uh, outside of the games and the press conferences, we didn't hear anything from Jimmy Garoppolo about anything, about football, non-football, whatever. He doesn't even do that many endorsements, for, especially for a starting quarterback on a Blue Blood franchise like the 49ers. Trey Lance, he's been out there this offseason, Levin, when it's people talking about Debo, Tony Jefferson. He tried to shut Tony Jefferson down. Like He's been responding. He's been very active. He took a picture of Jason Verrett's locker and posted it on Instagram and was you know supportive that Jason Verrett was back. It's interesting interesting to see Lance kind of step up as a leader, and that kind of confirms to me the reports that we've heard that he has been told, hey, you are the starting quarterback. It does signify that, and it, it is an interesting change and a welcome one for me. I want my quarterback to be public. I yes. want my quarterback to shut stuff down. You know, Jimmy was, by all reports, a great leader in the locker room and on the field. But you got outside of that facility – and you didn't see the leader anymore. Many players have talked about how it's impossible to get Jimmy to return a text, things like that. Well, that that's part of being a leader, in my opinion. Part of being a leader is creating a true kind of cohesive friend unit, so to speak, where everybody's friends with each other and that it's a true brotherhood. Well, when you ghost them the moment you leave the facility, <laughs> it kind of destroys that. So I love that Lance is out there on social media uh, shutting stuff down and that he's having people's back and trying to build the team up. I think that is an important role that needs to be happening in today's society. You know, it's not 1990s anymore. Social media does matter to a degree. And you don't have to be active on social media. You can still be the kind of leader you're talking about without being active on social media. If you're responding to teammates and that kind of a thing, I don't. It didn't seem like Jimmy Garoppolo was doing that, especially like you said with the Kittle stuff. But I also think that like Trey wouldn't be doing this unless he was told he was the starting quarterback. Like if he wanted to, he could have caused a huge stir last year. If he came in and and when he talked to the media, he's like, "I think I'm good enough to start. I'm going to go out and prove it." Or I haven't been given a shot to prove it, right? I haven't been given enough reps with the ones. He could have done that if he wanted to. I don't think that's who he is. He laid low. He didn't cause any waves. He wasn't this active when it came to team-related stuff on social media. But this year, it's a complete change. He's out there. He's interacting. He's doing things. I don't think he would do that if he didn't know for sure that he wasn't going to be the starter. He does not seem like the kind of guy that would just ruffle feathers like that. So that is the most positive sign yet I have seen that number five is going to be under center in week one. If you don't think Trey Lance is the starter on this team, then you have some major bias either against Lance or for Jimmy because it's clear as day he is the starter. Uh, Like you said, he could have gotten drafted and been doing this on social media last year. He wasn't because that would be disrespectful 
that mm-hmm. would be seen as kind of like for, forcing yourself out there and trying to be the leader and undercutting the incumbent starter. And he wasn't doing that. Now he is. So it's clear as day he's the starter. And anybody that doesn't believe that uh, probably is wearing a tinfoil hat. Apparently there's a lot of those guys out there, Levy. you got to watch for that. Uh, one guy who might be the starter next season is the third-round draft pick by the 49ers, Ty Davis-Price. I was listening to Matt Mayoko on KMBR last night, and he all but said, basically, that he thinks that uh, Davis-Price is going to be the starter and that Elijah Mitchell is essentially going to be the change of pace back because TDP is more is bigger, more physical, solid, can take sort of the pounding that a workhorse back has to take. I thought that was interesting. Um, as soon as he said it, I was like, damn, he might be right. Because uh, I definitely think Kyle wants multiple guys there. And he is bigger than Elijah Mitchell. And we saw Mitchell break down last year. He's coming off knee surgery. I think that goes a little too far. Mitchell's not going to be just a change of pace. But I do think there's going to be a clear split carry. I mean, Kyle was doing that even with Mostert. You know, he had split carries. He would bring in Tevin Coleman, of all people. And pull yeah. Mostert off the field. Kyle likes to keep his running backs fresh. He doesn't like to have a bell cow. Uh, I will say, and you can call me what you want here, but uh, oh boy. Let me until he proves right. it, until he proves it, I'm going to be skeptical because uh, the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan don't know what they're looking at when it comes to anything other than a speed back because they drafted. Joe Williams, and they drafted Trey Sermon, which, by the way, Trey Sermon was supposed to be this power guy. He was supposed to take over last year, and a sixth-round pick instead took over. So until I see a guy in that mold actually do it on the field, I'm going to be skeptical because the people that have been picking them and evaluating them and saying this is the guy have been wrong over and over again. Nope, that's fair. I mean, clearly something with Trey Sermon they did not like because, uh, I mean, his future is looking pretty bleak right now. I will say, just based on where they're drafted, the 49ers think that Ty Davis-Price is better than Elijah Mitchell. I mean, they took Ty Davis-Price in the third round. They didn't take Mitchell until, what, the sixth round. So they think he's better. So I don't know. That leads me to believe that maybe they and maybe they end up doing a 50-50 split. So like who actually starts the games is irrelevant. But I think he's going to have a huge role next season. And it's entirely possible that he leads the team in rushing. Mm, Yes and no. I will say that on first down, Kyle has definitely shown a preference towards the speed guy. Because that's when he's going further outside on those runs. And you need the speed to be able to get out there and then make the cut. So I would think that if there is more of a split carry 50-50, it's going to be Mitchell uh, a little bit more on first down and then going on second and third to the more power option. Do you think that we're going to see maybe a little less outside zone runs, a little more gap, a little more power from the 49ers? Because I thought that last year, and then they they didn't go with Lance as the starter. So maybe now that Lance is going to be the guy this year, do you think they start to make that change? Because I think we're going to see we're going to see that a little bit. I think we could. Uh, I personally don't want to see any designed QB runs unless it's in the red zone. It's not worth it to me. Uh, if you can't get up and down the field without the QB runs, then the Niners aren't going to be good enough. I mean, if you're desperate, yeah, you're going to go to them. But I don't want to see Trey Lance getting 10 carries a game. I want 
to see that utilized when it's crucial. And in the red zone, it would be crucial. But I don't want to see, you know, like a Cam Newton situation where, oh, it's third and two, let's run him up the gut because it can almost always get two yards. And if he doesn't quite get it, he'll get it on fourth down. And I want to see that. Do you not want to see that, or do you not want to see Trey Lance get tackled 10 times a game? Because there's a difference, right? If he's right. running around— I don't around, want Trey Lance getting all those hits. Right, because I think that it's it would be crazy not to utilize that part of his skill set because he does have it. The one thing that I think should maybe make you a little more comfortable is, number one— Kyle clearly wants Lance to use that, you know, break glass in case of emergency, I think. He does not want him dropping back one read and taking off. He wants him to be able to go through the progressions and make a play. And just in the 10 quarters that we saw with Trey, he does not seem to me inclined to look to run first. He looks to extend if he has to, but he's always looking downfield. He wants to throw first, and I think he runs only as a last resort. That leads me to believe that if it's not a designed run, he's not going to be taking off as much as I think people might think. Yeah, there's two different ways a quarterback can scramble. There's the Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick mold, where the moment they see a gap, they're not even going to continue reading the defense. They're taking it. And they're going to go get their 5, 10 yards and see what happens in the open field. Then there's more of, I guess you could say, Aaron Rodgers, um, even Patrick Mahomes, where they're scrambling around, but they're scrambling around trying to find an open receiver. And they are looking and they're directing their receivers. You know, you see them point a lot of times, hey, go here. I think you can get open if you go there. And then if it's just not going to happen, they read the defense. Yep, there's going to be nothing here. The defense is reacting well enough. They'll go take their 5, 10 yards. And I think it's just a, it's a difference. One's more of a true quarterback. One is more of the running back who can throw. And that, to me, is Trey Lance falling more in the Aaron Rodgers mold where he is always looking for the pass. And there were times in those 10 quarters where I thought he had lanes to run and get the first down and he didn't take them. He kept holding the ball and then it kind of closed up and he was only able to get a couple yards. I agree. There were times when he would play last year where I would just be like, go, (laughs) just go. Uh, But he doesn't seem to look to do that first and foremost. Um, I'm okay with using him on some short yardage situations if you do it smart, I think there are ways to do it. doesn't always have to be, you know, a power run up the middle. I would really love to see that play that it looked like they were trying to do where Juice kind of didn't pitch the ball. Remember, they ran Juice in motion, and he went behind the center to take the snap, and it looked like they were going to do, like, an option play and pitch it to Trey, which would have been amazing, and Trent Williams was pulling. Like, if you use him creatively – I would like to see that. But the real benefit to me of Lance's mobility is third and five, third and seven, he drops back to pass, and nothing's open. Receiver falls down. Somebody runs the wrong route. Kyle calls a bad play, whatever the case may be. And then he can run, run it up the middle, and pick up the first down. And just those are the crushers. Like Tannehill's big run against the Titans last year when they went down for their game-winning score. That was a third and eight or second and eight, something like that. And he just held the ball, was looking, looking, looking. The line opened up, and he just took off. That's where I want to see Lance be able to do it. And I just love that the Niners are going to have that option this year because he can run. 
Yeah, there, there's going to be one or two drives a game that with a less mobile quarterback like they've had the last few years, it would have been a punt. Drive would have been over. And Lance will be able to get the first down with his feet. And that is really a huge factor in winning games. You turn a couple punts into first downs, mm-hmm. it swings games in a big way. You know, it's you can look at it as a, a turnover. It's basically like you got a turnover from having more of a statue of a quarterback. And that will be massive, and that's why I think the offense will have a decent-sized uptick uh, in terms of points scored. Now, they were highly efficient in the red zone last year, but I think a lot of that was Trey Lance early in the season. You know, he, he came in, he scored multiple touchdowns, uh, and then Kyle seems to be learning in terms of the red zone because he's always had that issue. But last year they, they were on point. They were scoring in the red zone pretty well. And if they can repeat that, I think this team ends up joining the top five offenses in the league in terms of points scored, which the defense also helps that because the defense is going to be getting the other team off the field a lot, so they're going to have plenty of opportunity on offense. It could be so, so exciting and I'm I cannot wait for it every time I think about it I just get giddy I think I've rewatched Trey Lance's 10 quarters like 50 times sometimes I'm just bored I'm like let me throw up that Texans game again real quick let me see if I can notice something new uh so we'll wait and see on Trey Lance like I said all the signs he just keeps checking the boxes every time something's like okay to see my franchise quarterback do this and every time it's just check like he he's nailed it so far uh so hopefully he continues that upward trend uh, when it comes to the draft picks, there's been a lot of uh, analysis on the Niners Nation podcast network. We did instant reactions after almost every single pick. Kyle and Akash were all over it on Wednesday, breaking down some of the picks. Let's take kind of a bigger picture view of this, Eleven. When you look at the draft picks and the undrafted free agents, what is the first thing that jumps to your mind? Uh, depth and multiple shots. I think this team had a little bit of a change in philosophy. Rather than going out and trying to find the one guy that fits perfectly and then being done with that position, especially with the undrafted free agents, they're saying, we're going to bring in a lot of people who are capable of playing guard. They might be tackles in college. They can change to guard. Whatever it is, they drafted one or two uh, that could be going to guard. And then they signed some people that could be filling in there with, you know, like Poe, for instance. I think they decided instead of trying to find the one perfect guy to maybe take over at right guard, we're going to bring in three or four guys and hope we find Pater with one of them. And I think that's my biggest takeaway is that they have this philosophy change where they're just going to bring in all kinds of depth and see what shakes out when you get to training camp. Shio Kapadia writes for The Athletic, and he had like 10, he called it his 10 draft commandments, I think, and it was just pieces of advice for every team to make sure you have a good draft. And one of those, and it might have been the first one, I can't remember, but it's basically... Don't overestimate your ability to scout these guys. Acknowledge that there is a little bit of luck to it, that that you don't know for sure who's going to be good, and, and acknowledge that you're going to get some of them wrong, right? And that's kind of what you're saying the 49ers did. They got a bunch of guys at the position, and they're thinking, hey, if we get one or hopefully more than one, but at least one of these guys to emerge from the scrum, then we've done our job. Then we're good. We'll be okay. And even some of the undrafted free agents you talked about, like Jason Poe from Mercer is a really interesting guy. Donovan West, 
potentially, you know, could one of those guys be on the interior? Could one be center? Who knows? But they're taking shots on interesting players, and I agree with you. All they need to hit on is a few. You know, what do they say in baseball? One hit every three at-bats puts you in the Hall of Fame. That's kind of what the Niners are, are looking at. They're playing baseball right now. Yeah, I, I do think that the draft, to me, showed that they think Mac is likely retiring. And I think if that's the scenario, then Brunskill is swapping over to center, and they're looking to fill that right guard spot. And that's why they brought in so many people that have the capability of figuring out how to play that right guard spot in this offense. They brought in a lot of very athletic offensive linemen. And I say offensive linemen because some of them were tackle in college, so they might be trying to swap them. But I do think that that is where we're headed. The Brunskill is going to be the center, and they're going to be looking to fill the right guard spot. And I don't hate that idea of you might have some inexperienced people at left guard and right guard, but you're they're always surrounded by veterans, whether it's Trent Williams and Brunskill or Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey. You know, you don't have a right side of your offensive line, for example, that's all rookies or a middle of your offensive line that's all rookies with essentially a rookie quarterback. They're staggering that a little bit if in case, uh, in fact, that is the plan. To, I like that setup there. I feel like that's going to help the rookies. Yeah, you... you... Got to hope and believe that McGlinchey's coming back. So I think if if they felt like McGlinchey wasn't going to be ready, one, he wouldn't have been at that press conference. Two, they would have taken a tackle in in the second round. So I think you can kind of pencil in McGlinchey at this point based on him showing up to a press conference just to basically say, yeah, I feel good, means that the team is comfortable pushing him out there in front of the media because they believe he'll be back. So... That's kind of a 10,000-foot view of things with the Niners right now. I like the Danny Gray Damn, pick. you must have good eyesight. 10,000 yeah. feet? Yeah, 10,000 feet. Look, we go big picture here <laughs> on the Gold Standard Podcast, all right? Hopefully, I haven't been too negative for people. Apparently, I, you can't criticize the 49ers at all. Uh, I know I was very unpopular with my Jason Verrett take. I didn't – I don't – like, I'm not hugely upset about it. But if you ask me if I think it's a good move, no, I don't think it's a good move. I think he's going to get hurt immediately, just like he has in three out of the last four years, and nothing's going to come of this. That's my stance on it. I know people think that's crazy, but sorry, the guy that played one game in three out of the last four years is probably going to get hurt again next year. <laughs> Two things. One, uh, I don't mind the Verrett signing, but I also think you shouldn't assume that he's going to be able to be 100% the guy he was before because injuries do pile up, and he's getting to the age, and he's had so many injuries that he might be a shell of his uh, himself when he gets back. You know, look at Jared McKinnon. When he finally came back, he, he wasn't the same guy that they signed as a free agent. Uh, the second thing is, is uh, in terms of haters and even the people who adore you, you know what you say, Rob? You say, f*** them, that's what. <laughs> be yourself, and whatever shakes out, shakes out. If you're not being yourself and you're changing yourself to try to be more well-liked or anything along those lines or going the opposite way, trying to be a troll just to be getting attention, then to me you're doing a disservice to yourself and I, that's that's what I personally have no patience for. When I feel like somebody's fake, uh, I literally have zero patience for that. So be yourself and, and I'll put up with you. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, the, the thing is, like, I don't go into every situation thinking, like, how can I spin this negative? It just so happens that 
a lot of the things the 49ers do, I disagree with, but I also praise them when they do things that I think are good moves. Like I have praised the Ward signing. I have literally called it the perfect signing for the 49ers to make. Nobody remembers the good things I say about the team. They only remember the bad ones. That's the frustrating thing from my standpoint because I do think there's a lot of good about this team, and I do feel like I talk about it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just not as memorable for people, I guess. Well, we also started this podcast in an interesting time period where we have a quarterback that's clearly not good enough but the fans mostly think he is because of his win-loss record. So that's going to pit you against what a lot of fans think right from the get-go, and we haven't gotten past that yet. You know, if Trey Lance comes out and is really good, guess what? We're probably going to have a lot more of a cheery, positive takes because it's going to be a lot of really good stuff rather than, whew, we barely won that game. Thankfully, Jimmy didn't ruin it for us completely. Right. Do you think, (laughs) let me ask you this really quick. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo has more supporters than he had, let's say, going into last season, or fewer no. supporters? A lot less. He, I think the only supporters he, ha- he has left are the ones that are just completely 100%, doesn't matter what, he's, what he does, they are locked in that Jimmy's the guy. You know, they can't get out. But that means they're very vocal, and they're out there pounding their chest trying to tell everybody what they think. And so you think there's more of them out there. I, I think it, it's a very, very small group of people left that would be what we call Jimmy stands. It could be. That's fair. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, NFC title game, two out of the last three years. I, it's not going to matter, ultimately, because we know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. So the only thing we won't know is what happens with Jimmy and where he winds up. But obviously, we'll uh, keep our eye on that. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, we remind you, rate, review, follow. Please drop us a five-star rating wherever you can. We are, I think, 10 reviews away from 200 for the show, so please do it. Again, if you have a question about the draft or anything else, you leave it in your review. I promise you we will answer it on the show. Levin, this is what you need to do. You need to sit down. You need to get in front of the TV. You need to fire up the on-demand. You need to rewatch the Star Wars movies. And I think you'll see that your opinion from the start of the show was wrong. Uh, I think you underestimate how many movies I watch. You you forget uh, what I'm able to do when I'm not at home. Hmm. And the fact that I have Disney+. Plus. I have rewatched all of them. And I even bought the originals long before streaming came about in terms of a Disney Plus streaming. I own the originals on Amazon Prime, which I bought, I think, they had a promo. It was like $50 when they first went digital like seven, eight years ago. Uh, yeah, I've rewatched all of them. And yeah, they're, they're overall not very good. The originals are great. The prequels are so-so. And the new ones are pretty much garbage. Have you ever seen the thing on TikTok? I think it's from TikTok where they, they go over how every Star Wars movie has the wrong name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have seen that. It's been a little while since I saw that. I'm trying to remember the order that they ended up putting them in, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't remember the order, but that is one of the funnier videos. I'm sure you can find it if you dig around on the internet, people. Find it, let us know what you think of it. Levin, enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.